Neil Plimmer, welcome back to the Raising Golfers podcast. So excited to have you back, buddy. Thanks so much for joining. It's been a long time. You've been busy, I've been busy, so it's nice to be able to find this time in our busy diaries to catch up and chat. Yes, and you know, what better than having the fall slash winter come around where you and I can sit down, chat, have more lovely conversations, and today what we're going to do is we're going to rewind a little bit back on the last six months, but I'm excited for you to come back on and hopefully have you on again here soon. Yeah, and just just a note there, I think to all listeners, the fall that you experience in California is very different to the fall that we experience here. (laughs) You know, we're at that turning of the seasons where it gets dark and cold and wet and horrible for the next six months, whereas you don't, do you? (laughs) Just to bring some reality to this. Yes. Uh, You said our similarities are we we lose an hour of daylight. But yes, weather-wise, there's slight differences. and um, But that's okay. You guys will get the nice weather back here in a couple months and everybody out playing golf again soon and uh, enjoying the late summer days in the UK. So today what we're going to go through is I I think this is going to be a mix of an episode that's going to be helpful for coaches and then also I think for parents or any adults really involved in the junior golfers process. And Neil and I are going to go through a couple of things of just experiences that we've gone through over the last six months, things that we've learned, maybe some ideas that we have going forward just to continue to make the experience best for junior golfers. And uh, I think it'll be really helpful. Before we do that, Neil, just if anybody is new to the podcast and hasn't had the opportunity of listening to any of your previous episodes, give us just a little breakdown of what your coaching business is and what you do so they kind of have a better idea of you know where you're at and, and what you're up to. So my business is called Jolf, um, Jolf Junior Golf, and we specialize in delivering experiences of golf for children in primary schools. So primary schools are children of age four to 11 in the UK, Southeast England. Um, and since lockdown, we've come back, we've been busy. We've um, we've celebrated our 10 year anniversary in September. So we've been doing this Ooh. a long time. Um, and over that time, as I've reflected through a number of my podcasts, and I know we've chatted, the learning and the understanding. And for 10 years, you know, I've dedica- dedicated, my time has been spent every morning getting up, thinking about golf, thinking about Jolf, thinking about children, thinking about families, um, all encompassing. And so there's a lot of things I don't know, but there's a lot of things that I feel I believe in and I understand and I appreciate to be true. And even if I do think that those things are true, it's also a case of trying to break them or strip them back so that we can find, most importantly, I think, the most meaningful experience for every child. And we talk about it being meaningful because what's meaningful for us isn't always meaningful for the child. Um, So Mm -hmm. just for the listeners, you know, I spend nearly 100% of my time with children that are starting to play the game for the first time, giving them a club, giving them a ball. Here's where you start. Here's where you finish. Have a go. Let's see what you've got. And I think that perspective, I'm able then to see the full runway of from when they start, you know, to if they play again, which they may, they may not. They may become tour pros in the future. They may become average golfers. Who knows? But being able to see from that first first touch experience has been really powerful over the last eighteen months, two years, where we that's where we focused our attention. How long did it take you to realize that, or maybe not realize, but understand that every child's experience is a little bit different? Because you know, as as coaches, you know, we create almost 
I think generally speaking, we can create like a one dimensional experience, assuming that everybody's going to enjoy it. Uh, you know, what, what did you go through or what feedback did you get or what did you see with children to start realizing that their experiences might be different even within like a one hour setting of a, of a, of a class or experience that you have? It was when we started Jolf, myself and my colleague Jonathan Shipstone, we sat down with a piece of paper to write the program. And it was at that point we wanted to do, we wanted it to be a program that, w- that would fit children. So the program would fit the child, whereas our experiences before was the child always had to fit the program. And if the program Mm. didn't fit that child, then obviously it was a poor match. And that's where we came up with our sort of each child every time approach. So we wanted to deliver what what then we use the terms fun, engaging, appropriate to each child every time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that has driven all of our sessions, all of our experiences, all of our practice to deliver that fun, engaged and appropriate to each child every time. And we've extended that now to, you know, an an experience that's theirs. It's their game on in their way, in their time, on their terms. So that each child every time has then sort of just about to ramble on about this on my podcast in the next couple of days. But each child every time such so that it's then their game their experience their way on their terms and as i think as an adult that's really difficult sometimes to get your head around Mm. i agree i.e the child is living their best life their best self we want them to be their best self and sometimes and i've been guilty of this in the past you know the interactions the time we spend with them probably isn't allowing them to be that because we have our own agenda and we impose our agenda or the sport of golf on the child so what kinds of things like let's just say in your play days for example what slight changes did you make to make the experience so that it could be potentially more positive for every child as opposed to you know creating the one-dimensional experience and saying okay this is how you hold the, or i shouldn't ruin this but like maybe like this is how you hold the club this is how you swing or whatever yeah. give us some examples of you know those things like that you did that really kind of adapted to helping you know every child have their own positive experience so we to all schools we send a guide to the play day so that the school can send that on to the teachers now whether the teachers read it or not i don't know but we send a guide so that the teacher has a fair idea of what to expect during the day. And on that guide, we say to them, you will not see us or hear us telling children how to hold, how to stand, how to do things properly, how to do things correctly, because we want them to have that positive experience, not positive, meaningful experience that they find in their own way. And we know, and we have found over experience and time and review and reflection that by saying here's the club here's the ball here's where you start here's where you finish we get the best from children Mm. and or the children have the best experience that we can give them um so it's Mm. it's pre-setting the the adults expectations that doesn't mean we don't get adults come and help children to put their feet in the right place to stand and to do it correctly or properly and there's sometimes a time and a place to have those conversations, which sometimes we may, sometimes we won't. But that was one of the one of the best things we did. So parents, uh, sorry, teachers come and they say, oh, I've read your guide. I know exactly what you're going to do. We then follow that up. And this is what I've, this is one of the things I've definitely learned through this year is that we have a very, if you like, strict, high level of expectation of behaviour of playing from, from both us as the adults and the children. 
both doing this, playing safe, listening, playing safely, playing sensibly, play fairly. Non-negotiable. Mm. This is what we ex- this is what we will do for you. This is what we'll expect. So it's really strict as far as the behaviour because we need them to be safe. We want them to be safe so they don't get hit. But then how you do the activity is entirely up to you. Mm. Now what happens, I think, is that the values and the behaviours and the the safety is not it's not um, explained in or upheld in high enough expectations and then there's a lot of structure around how you do the activity and that's where I think children start to disengage mm, I see okay so your emphasis is more on those things as opposed to the actual activity in the games itself but I think if they're if you guys all have the same expectation of that their behavior is this way this is what you're supposed to do play safe play sensibly what was the last one fairly Oh, play fairly, yep. right? Then you can kind of let them go, and under those guidelines, they can kind of create their own experience, right? Hundred percent. We we have found, and and when I say when I say we found, you know, through through our summer term, so from Easter to July, we put clubs in the hands of eleven and a half thousand children. So that's crazy. <laughs> it's it's a reasonably sized pool, and it's a reasonable amount of experience. It's not like we've just done this with a hundred children, you know. That is crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and like, not that it's necessarily the end goal, but you also wonder, like, out of those who are going to go home to mom and dad and say, hey, you know, I'd like to try golf again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, our business structure doesn't rely on them playing again. You know, we'd like, we'd certainly like to think, and, you know, from our stats, we know, because we asked children, that 90% of the children that play golf with us will say they want to go and play golf again. Now, what we know as a business is we can't be all things to everybody. We can't do everything. So what we can do and what we can control, we're going to try and do really well and to the best of our ability. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Well, I've stolen a lot from you and a lot of the different things for golf coaching, Neil. But um, one of them is like, you know, what I say and I emphasize, I even have this on the back of my business card and on my uh, board at the golf course, it says de- developing lifelong experiences through golf. And I use that word a lot more when I'm speaking with parents about certain things. And in the summer, we had a summer camp and uh, a mother came to me and she said, you know, my daughter is in a group because we broke them up into groups of eight. And um, in the other group, she's got a couple of friends, but in her group, she doesn't have any. And I think in the past, I would have just said, like, you know what, like, we've got to keep the groups eight, eight and eight because we've got 24 kids. We've got to keep them balanced. We've only got this many coaches. But instead, as I kind of stepped back this time and I, and I asked her a question, I said, you know, I want you to think about this. And, and if you have the answer now, great. If you need to think about it, let me know. Is this going to hinder her experience of golf throughout the week? And if the answer is yes, and you and you and her true believe that it's going to you know, change her experience of summer camp, then, you know, we can make an adjustment. And she said, OK, uh, I'll let you know. And so she came back the next day and she said, yeah, I do believe it will, you know, change her positive experience in the summer camp. And I said, great. All right, let's change her to the other group today. And we did that. And everything was everything was was good. And that came from the daughter because she did ask the daughter, you know, is it going to be OK? Is this going to you know, how is this going to affect your experience? Not necessarily just based on like, hey, I get to hang out with just my buddies and it's all about buddies and this and that. But she felt going out on the golf course because they were playing on the golf course is going to change that experience. Uh, you know, the practices with the games, the activities, the tasks, she just felt overall that the experience was going to be changed. And so um, in the past, I, I think I would have handled the situation a little bit differently. 
And I think there's two really nice parts to that. Number one, you've obviously, so if, for the coaches that are listening, you've obviously created an environment where people feel comfortable asking you, which I think mm. is really positive. And I think for the parents at, um, listening in, uh, the family members, I think it's also saying, you know, if your child, you know, talks to the coaches, you know, I think a lot of parents' problems, if there is such a thing, come when people don't talk, people don't communicate. So it's having mm. those conversations. We we all have, we as the coaches and the adults, parents, we all want the children to have the very, very best experience possible. And so therefore, mm. if we if we have that open dialogue, so if we're a coach listening in, do you have open dialogue with parents and family members? Do you create an environment where parents can come and ask you anything they feel comfortable do? You know, we're involved in certain activities and sports where we don't feel comfortable going and asking for a number of reasons that's probably for another podcast um but you, you know and, and the coaches don't talk to us right yeah I, I i agree all right i agree and i think having that uh you know, i think first would be maybe just the demeanor you know having just your impression having a smile on your face as a coach makes you more approachable and um you know i think we don't need to adjust to everybody's no. recommendations right but, you know, in this situation, I said, okay, you know, let's let her go through this day in this situation. And if she comes back and says that it will hinder, okay, let's change it. Because I have had the opposite where I said, hey, let's let them try again today. Let me know if it, it does hinder the experience. And then the child actually says to the parent, you know, I had fun today. Actually, I met some new friends yeah. and they stayed, right? And, you know, again, in the past, I think I would have handled it differently. But then just kind of basing it around that, you know, that core value of, how is this affecting their experience? I love that. Um, and again, the child's experience coming from the child, I think, made a big difference. Yeah, asking questions and taking nothing as what we think is true. For sure. That's I agree. Great. So, yeah, so that was a good learning experience for me as well, going through that. And again, a lot of it's come from you. So I appreciate that. Neil, did you make any mistakes over the last six months? within your programming or you know whether it's communication with the schools or anything that you've learned and reflected on that you know that you, you've 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 decided to make some changes on or going to make some changes going forward that probably the biggest one this year and i don't think this is a mistake but this is probably just a bit of a blind spot from my perspective i don't think we've actually spoke about this and this might raise more conversation or some thoughts in people but uh, we delivered a session in a school and one of the point, one of the parts of the session is I'll ask the group to get into a line, one line of girls, one line of boys. And after I'd done that, and it's part of my organisation, it's my ability to organise them into small groups and then to get them started and get them playing quickly. And after that happened, one of the, um, one of the teachers said to me, he says, oh, just by the way, it's no problem, but in that class, that class of 30 children, They'd got um, six children that don't identify as either boy or girl, male or female. Mm. Um, which, okay, I said, I, I suddenly, you know, straight away thought, goodness me, I haven't delivered the inclusive experience that I wanted to because I may well have, they may, have, may well have felt marginalised or whatever the word might be. So I had this conversation with a teacher, apologise, so listen, if I were to do it again, I would do it differently. And there's lots of different ways that I would do it. And we had a really open discussion about it. And I realised that after that session, I, I'd got a number of sort of blind spots or a dusty lens that I 
you know, and I don't, I still don't quite have my head around it, but it's certainly made me think about things in a very, very different way um, and question and ask. And I've spoke to a number of my friends, a number of people around me to get some advice and to get some thoughts on it because we, we do it in a certain way that we know works and we want that way to be as inclusive as f- for everybody. Um, but that threw up a real blind spot for me that I've had to go and mm. I've had to go away and explore, which, you know, I don't think any amount of planning prior to any of those sessions could have, could have helped me. No, it's true. You, I mean, who would be prepared for that unless you've actually been through it? We've had a number of right. children. You know, these are odd children. One of my odd ones or twos, not many of them, a number of children that have, you know, they, they've identified different gender and, you know, mm. that's fine. Again, the teachers have sort of explained that to me or, or said that when it's been appropriate. But just have this one class where there was such a such a big proportion of, of, of young mm. people that had um, chosen to identify in a different way or to not identify. Um, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, all you could rely on then would be like, um, you know, you could rely on, I guess, maybe ages for sure. Yes. Or you could just say, hey, we need 20 people here yeah. and 20 people here, yeah. right? And, you know, although that may not have been the plan going into it, right? Or what you've done in the past 10 years, maybe those are just some different alter- you know, alterations you're going to have to make to the programming. And again, who would, you know, who would be prepared for that? unless you go through it. And it's just part of those things that, you know, we learn through experience. We learn through trial and error. We learn through just, you know, things are changing, right? The world is changing and we have to sometimes adapt to it. And it sounds like, you know, you've, you've gone through that and who would have predicted it, right? But but I think, but again, stripping it back for me, it continues to drive us what we spoke about a second ago, you know, it's their experience. So, uh, what I want to do is I want to make their experience as meaningful as possible. And for me to even just the language I use, and again, you know, coaches, parents listening in, just picking up on just this, just us analysing and being critical and reflecting and reviewing on the language that we use and how we say things and what we say and when we say them. Um, so important. And I think all of these things probably, you know, for me, when you spoke about this, the learning of the of this last six months, the golf's a very bit part of what we're doing. It's a very mm-hmm. bit part. And, that, you know, I know that we sit in one space giving children the opportunity to play for the first time, but I don't think my view would change if I was working with tour players and, you know, all the rhetoric around mental health and everything that goes on around the sport, it's just becoming more important. Not not mm. more important. No, that's wrong. It, I think we need to make ourselves more aware and more understanding of everybody else's lived experience as well as our own and it, ju- it just so happens that we oh here's a golf club we- we're doing it by sharing some time at the golf course exactly and again going back to what you said like everybody's experience is different like some people get different things out of golf so golf could be that competitive game or it could be that chance to get outside or it could be that chance to spend time with friends and family you know golf again could just be that little bit but they're getting so much more out of it right and there's so many other things that we can be focusing on outside of just the game of golf itself right and or and we present again, going back to experiences yeah but and mm-hmm. or we present right this is what we are presenting today this is the experience we are presenting now find your own meaning and value and yeah. relevance in that experience that we've set up so i've set up quite a if you like quite a 
fixed environment, you know, our six golf park holes, our expectations around behavior. And when I say that, and I always review it, it's not, it's not like we, we've got a stick, we've got a stick and we're beating them with it. You know, it's, we, right. I'm saying to them, this is what I'm going to do for you. So therefore I would like you to return the favor of listening, playing safely, playing sensibly, playing fairly. Um, so it's very strict as far as that's concerned. Now go and have your experience. And I am now right. looking forward to seeing you have your experience and seeing what comes up because of it. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I, I, I think that's good. And again, you know, sometimes it just takes those little situations to then re-reflect on even those values that you've had and just kind of like bring them back in front of us to realize those things, right? And like they're there, but then it's like, again, you know, it's sometimes these situations spark those things, and, and, right? And, if, and, 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 and I, I think I rambled on about this on one of my pod, podcasts early in the year, but it, it just reminds me of this, what I've just said there is, you know, that that title of right parents, the thing that you need to say to your children is, I love to watch you play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, well first, isn't it? You know, for those parents, the first question or the first statement you make when you get in the car and where I love to watch you play. And my question often, or my question would be to coaches and to parents, do you love to watch your children play? Mm. Are you watching your children play? Or are you running a script in your head of they've not done this very well, they've not done that well, or, or mm. whatever it might be? So the, the idea that people say, I love to watch you play, uh, my question is, do they? And, and that might sound really odd, but I think to myself, I think to myself when I've watched my children play, there are times where I've loved watching them play and there's times where I've caught myself not loving watching them play for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's then trying to pick up on that. So if we as coaches or parents set the environment, let's say strict, whatever, watch the experience and then love watching them play, which I can honestly say that, you know, for the 11,500 children we saw, it's been some challenging moments. There's always going to be challenging moments in the environments we go into. Yep. But... 99.9% of the time, or probably all of the time, I love watching them play. Well, I think about my own children, and uh, play for me, I think, would just be like, I think beyond just golf, right? It's just, I enjoy, I love watching my children having a good time and seeing them happy. And I've realized that, like, you can only realize this if you're a parent, you know, just kind of like, let's just say you're sitting on the couch and watching them run around with a big smile on their face, or you're sitting in a lawn chair, or we were at the beach last night, sitting there, watching them just kind of roll around in the sand and kind of create their own games and all that kind of stuff. Like I catch myself with a smile on my face in those situations. And I think we can do the same for golf if play is just play and not necessarily just play golf all the time, right? Or play the sport or play whatever yeah. it is that they're doing. And I think play has to be the heartbeat. And I think if play isn't the heartbeat of the experience, then you're going to see children, children's levels of engagement will, will differ and will change. And so you don't get that, what I would call tongue out tiger eyes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So I suppose as, as coaches or parents, listening, you know, put the question back to people, is play at the heartbeat of the experience that we're offering the children? And if it's not... I suspect enjoyment will wane, engagement will wane, uh, something won't be quite right. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. It's interesting, yeah. And it's it's interesting how this is all, this conversation's kind of come off just from that experience that you had that really had nothing to do even with play, right? No. But 
you know, kind of, we, we started kind of going down and down and down and it kind of led to that, which is, you know, it's very interesting. So it's just, you, you say it was about a mistake, about a mistake or something. And, right. and it's just, it was, it was, it just opened up a whole new area of thinking that I was pleased that it happened, not necessarily why it happened, but pleased it happened and what it allowed me to then explore afterwards. And I, I suppose I, I don't think that would have occurred if I didn't have this once to deliver to each child every time. And it comes back to those values being values driven. Right. Yeah, for sure. I would totally agree. Right. And again, it, I think it just brings them, it kind of illuminates them again, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, I, I made plenty of mistakes by the way, and over the last six months, you know, I'm, I'm starting fresh again for the coaching, but I think the big one that has kind of stood out to me wasn't necessarily, well, I guess it, it is a mistake in a sense, but it's one of those things that it's like, and this is a great actionable tip for coaches listening, especially, is listening actually to parents a little bit more in detail. Because if you're running programs or you've got classes or whatever, what I mean by that is like, right now, I'm I'm constantly thinking, okay, what am I going to do the next session of, uh, or the next semester program? How am I going to schedule it? You know, what are these things that's going to make the experience for the the children and the families that much better? And I've realized that actually just kind of taking a moment to either ask parents some questions and listen to their ideas, that has actually helped me spring forward. And it's like thoughts that I would never would have had. So as simple as with our nine hole challenges, we have a student, a junior golfer, who's made it to the furthest division that we can allow at our golf course, because we're nine holes, all par threes, right? So 150 yards per hole. He has to play four of the holes in the back nine, and he has to play five of the holes in the front nine. So I was like, you know, I don't want his experience to be, you know, hindered, because now he's going to have to play only five holes with his buddies in the front nine, and then he's got to shoot off to the back nine, uh, without his buddies, you know, what can we do until somebody else gets to that division? And so I had a conversation with his mother and she's actually a listener of the podcast. So if she's listening, uh, it, uh, I'm happy you're listening again to one of our episodes, but she said, you know, actually my son came up with this idea is instead of like coming at my tea time at three 30, we'll show up at two 30. We'll play the back nine on our own. And then we'll show up to the first tee and then we'll play the nine holes in the front nine and only count the scores of the five holes. But he still has that nine hole playing experience with the rest of his buddies. And it's like, you know, this isn't a strict tournament. I'm like, brilliant. Nice. I never would have come up with that idea. Right. And that's just one example. And I've had other of these situations where it's like, you know, fortunately in that in that case, like I talked to them, I had a conversation and they came up with this idea. But I've had others where it's like, gosh, if I had just had that conversation a few weeks ago with with these parents, like. It, it, it could have completely changed everything because they have ideas too. Like they see into the program at an angle that a lot of times as a coach, you don't see you're so involved and your head's so down. Like you, you just don't see it. Right. And um, so my actual tip is ask more questions, get more feedback, open your ears because these parents have brilliant ideas and even the junior golfers do too. And I think it, it's just one of those things that we have to do as coaches is be open, be flexible, absorb the information. You don't have to change everything and you don't have to take on every idea, but there is gold within within these families and having them give you their input from what they see from their angle, which is completely different from yours, so beneficial. So that's something that I've learned and uh, I need to keep working on. And I made that mistake because again, I had my head down. I was like, this is the way we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's, that's again, that's gold. That is, that's absolutely gold that 
and I suppose if you if you're the coach listening in, be be the coach, be the program that that wants people to come and tell and and give them their thoughts. Because as I said, we, we we're involved in a couple of things where we don't feel we can as parents. Right. Um, and then yeah, that's all. It's always good. It's never. I, don't, I can't feel it's ever going to end well <laughs> for anybody. Right. For for anybody involved. For sure, hundred percent. But it's that hundred percent. It's that. It's that. You know, we've talked a lot in the past, haven't we, about the, the sort of the business element of it, and you know, the crossover between the business and the people side is just caring. Yeah. You know, we just care. You know, and we do that in lots and lots of different ways, but we just care. For sure. Nice. That's really Absolutely. nice. I love that example. That, that idea of going out on his own and then coming back around is just, just like so. You can't. You, could, yeah. you couldn't have thought that, could you? Never would have. Yeah, never would have. I would have ruined his experience. And they, you know, at least that's the way I felt. And I was just like, seriously, I was thinking about it for nights. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? You know, just so worried about this. And then I I, I, I gave his mom a call. And, and uh, a couple hours later, she said, we spoke to my son. And this is the idea he came up with. What do you think? I'm like, amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, I was just, to me, it was just like this huge relief. And it was just one of those idea realizations. It's like you know, I got to keep the communication line open. I've got to do more of that, and um, so that's the plan I have going forward. Awesome, awesome, good job. Thanks. Well, I thank them really. You know, so uh, Neil, I'm curious with you though. You know, what is the goal for all of these children that you're working with? You know, or what is your goal for them? after they've had an experience with you or, you know, whether it's short term or long term, what are you trying to do with, you know, these 11,000 students, you've got a big goal to touch, get a golf club in hands with everybody yep. in the UK, don't you? Yes. And there's a lot of children. The 16 and, and a half million primary school children. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to follow up with you and let me know. And you're going to let me know how, how we're chipping away at that goal. What is the goal though, for these children? Like, what are you trying to get out of, out of golf or the experience or, you know, what is it? So, so from a, from a, if you like, from a business perspective, they have the opportunity. They all have the opportunity to join our job club. So our job club is a virtual environment that children and families can join that will then point them in the direction of further opportunities. So, again, that's still new as a, as a, as a, as a business. And we're looking then to reach out to golf clubs in, in our area, the sort of southeast of England, that would consider themselves to be family friendly, that can sort of mm. deliver family friendly experiences. Um, I don't think some of the children that start in our schools will come to Carlsbad. They may, now the flights are open, but <laughs> who knows? Um, so that's one track. That's one avenue where if children say they enjoy it. We also have uh, a number of leader, sports leader and teacher training courses that we offer the school. So we know that we can't be everywhere. We can't be all things to everybody. So we will, alongside our play days, we will deliver training to sports leaders so sports leaders are generally the 9 10 11 year olds within the school and they will then deliver golf in in the school which works really well it's a very sustainable way of it working forwards and we will also train teachers so teachers might deliver within after school breakfast clubs pe that goes on in school so again another way that more golf can happen during that school environment um but ultimately all that said, those they're things that we've got control over. I want children to go home and I want them to say, we give them a sticker as well. So they, they have the sticker and it says, today I played golf. Um, I want them to go, I play golf today. I 
quite like that. I'd like to do it again. And that's it. Mm. That's it. I want them to have had such an experience that they go, I liked it. I'd like to get, and or if we go back the next term or the next year, which we do, I went to a school on last Wednesday, um, which was our fifth visit to the school. The school like our work. They like the day we go. And I, I spoke to a number of the teachers and I said, this is fifth time in. Should we have done it? I didn't do anything different. Should we? And they said, no, the children love doing this. All of them. They're so excited about it. Um, That's cool. And so when I hear things like that, I think we're good. We, we, we're doing what we can. We're creating ripples. You know, we're throwing little pebbles in. We're creating ripples. So if you like, we've thrown 11,500 small pebbles into the golfing pond and we've created a bit of a ripple. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's awesome. You know, and if a child uh, five, five years old in five years time, they suddenly pick up a golf club again. Oh, I remember doing this at school. Yes, I had a pos- I had a I had a positive, meaningful experience. So therefore, when I come back and do golf again, I like it. We we that's cool. I don't think we can do any. I say I don't think we can do any more. We can always do more, but I think we're doing we're doing okay. That's cool. Well, and you don't even know too, like you know, what you're doing, I think, is, you know, providing children an opportunity also just to open their minds into new opportunities themselves. So for example, it might be their first time having a golf experience. And then they have this realization. It's like, well, why not try something else as well? Like, why not have an experience playing cricket? Or, hey, why not, you know, go surfing? Or why not try, you know, another you know, sport or try another challenge because they've realized that actually trying new things isn't so scary, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, you may not be able to track that and know that. But I think what you are doing, though, is there certainly must be a percentage of children that have that realization that trying new things isn't so scary. Trying new things is cool. Trying new things can be fun. And who knows where that can, you know, take them in the future. But I, and I think one of the most important things we realized, and I don't know when this was, but we we realized as a, as a business we can't be all things to all people now again i think mm. as golf coaches or maybe even you know as a parent sitting here we try and be everything to everybody and i think by doing that it then waters down what we can offer whether it be not be mm. as good or we don't put as much effort or enthusiasm into it whereas what we know we can do really well is provide children with a very a a meaningful first experience so if they've not played mm. before you know put a club in hand we know i mean you know i've got the stats to back it up that 95 percent of the children enjoy that experience now, right that's cool you know, 95 95 percent of i think it's probably something like eight thousand children who filled in one of our forms you know so, so again it's a, it's a reasonably robust number um but that said it's then for us it's then piecing together why they've enjoyed that experience again probably for another day um maybe not for another day well i was gonna say in five percent the five percent that aren't enjoying it who knows it, it could have been like you said before maybe they had a bad morning maybe they had a an argument with their brother or sister that day maybe they didn't eat breakfast right there could have been a lot of things again out of your hand you've taught me this neil i'm gonna say it right back that that you know that five percent a lot of it's not even just about you. It's not even about Joff, right? It's not even about anything that you were doing. It could have just been about them. Absolutely, absolutely. And, right. and I think, but I think what's interesting there is I'd love to be able to sit down. We don't do this because of 
for a number of logistical reasons, I'd love to be able to sit down with them and say, you know, just just tell me why, why did you not enjoy it? And again, they might not be able to put it into words, but I think like we said before we started the podcast is that we've only got control over a certain amount of things um, and the things that we have got control over, we can do to the best of our abilities. For sure. Yeah. Well, so that being said, though, you know, and I'm, I'm really curious about this. This is something I'm going to, uh, I, I need to implement somewhere somehow. You have these cool feedback forms. Give us some of the feedback that you've gotten from the children from the experiences you've had. You post some of these on your social media. They make me, you know, either uh, laugh out loud or, you know, they make me kind of have this warm feeling inside about just their positive feedback and experience they've had. But yeah, let's hear some of the feedback or, you know, what, what questions you're asking, I guess. And then let's hear the feedback that you get from some of the, from some of the children. So, so again, just, just to give some context, we, we have what's called a pupil voice form. So we, we ask because we then provide the school with an impact form. Um, I suppose the point being here is asking for, feedback or asking did you enjoy it without any agenda so we don't we're not involved we just give the form and the teachers so things like so the question is what did you enjoy about playing golf when we worked together to earn the golden ball hitting the ball with the bat having fun with my friends and improving my score it was tricky fun and enjoyable getting the ball into the hole that it was a bit like crazy golf um when I had to not get it in the obstacles, some children have said things like that there wasn't a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you can't make that up. Um, no. Helping others and seeing them improve. One thing that cropped up regularly this year was being outside. They enjoyed being mm. outside. So since COVID, March 2000 and whatever it was, um, you know, there's lots of things within primary school settings where children have been in bubbles they've been in their own class they probably haven't been outside as much playtime's been restricted because of crossovers and and it kept coming up over and over again through the summer that children enjoyed being outside mm. and, and i think it comes back to what you said earlier on about that i think the the, the the guy that's coming onto your podcast um soon is that the stuff that we think is important, the birdies, the gripping it correctly, the standing in the right place, they're hitting it far, hitting it straight. That might not be the important stuff for children. And I think just by asking, what did you enjoy about playing golf today? What did you enjoy about hole one? What did you enjoy about seeing Travis during his session? You know, they're quite open-ended questions that you then get probably quite an honest answer. And if you're not getting mm -hmm. an honest answer, you then got to think about, well, why am I not getting an honest answer? Mm -hmm. Um so those things crop up time and time again. And there's there's a lot of children that will say, oh, I hated Jolf, but I like the coach. Or, you know, there's nothing I liked about it today. Well, you know, you can't win them all. I've got a question for you then. This is off the beat of what we're on. It made me think of something, though, based on what you just said there. This might be a title of another podcast episode now that I'm thinking about it, right? But I hear this sometimes and because I'll, you know, I'll get some questions from from parents and, you know, kind of a feedback I'll get sometimes is people enjoy what they are good at and people enjoy improving. And if they're not improving, then they're not enjoying themselves. And if they're not getting better, then they're not enjoying themselves. Right. And I guess I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that comment, because I hear that. And, you know, part of it, 
I feel like maybe it could be true, but then I also feel like I don't know if there's been enough questions asked to children if that's actually true or not. But anyways, Neil, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've, I've got a thought. I've got a thought. Yeah, let's hear. So, yeah. so I'm going to flip it around. So um, a, a statement that I get, and this is generally generalization with um, year six, so 10, 11 year old girls who say, oh, I'm rubbish at golf. That's what they'll often tell me. I'm rubbish at golf. Oh, that's really interesting. I said, um, you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so I'll often spin it around and say to them, you do know that you can be rubbish at it and enjoy it at the same time. And they often then go to me, can I? <laughs> it's like having permission. We've given them permission mm. to be rubbish at it and enjoy it. And mm. what what I've realised, having spoken, you know, thought about it and spoken to the teachers is that we, we tend to attach people's self-worth or self-esteem to getting better and working hard and resilience and keeping trying and keeping trying. But, but actually, golf is a sport which, you know, we all know this because it's hard and it's complex and there's a lot to do. Being rubbish at it is fine. And it's something that I've questioned. Society doesn't necessarily allow us to be rubbish at things. Society mm. is always telling us, right, we've got to improve, we've got to get better. And if we're not getting better, then we can't enjoy it. And mm. that's something which, crop for, for, in my experience, crops up again and again and again. And often with these mm -hmm. 10, 11 year old girls, um, just giving them permission to say, you are allowed to be rubbish and, and enjoy it at the same time. So oh, the relief that they have is fascinating. So I'd just probably flip around what you've said and, and, and make, you know, being rubbish at golf is okay. And think about it. I don't know. Let's say we've got a hundred children come into our sessions. It's very likely that ninety-nine percent of them will be rubbish, because you know they might not never get less than an eighteen handicap. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it brings into question then the point of the program, the point of the experience. <clears throat> Why are we there? Are we there to create elite golfers? It opens up a whole new, tin, tin, you know, box of um, conversation. I think. Yeah, I, well, it does, because now I've got another follow-up for you. Okay. Are you ready for this one? So then, you know, what do you do as a parent who's out playing alongside your junior golfer on the golf course, and the junior golfer is getting frustrated, whether it's because they're not hitting the ball well or they're not scoring well, and again, then the parent comes back and says, well, you know, they're all going to they're gonna enjoy it better if they're, you know, better at golf. Um, you know, how did that even come about? Why is the junior golfer frustrated? And, um, you know, what can we do as adults in that situation to help out with the junior? I think, I think one of the first options we can do is do nothing. And I think sometimes that's an option which people don't ever consider. Hmm. Bad day at the office. Let's call it up. Yeah, yeah. Bad day at the office. Let's go to bed. Let's wake up and let's see what tomorrow brings. And I wonder if sometimes that's the most sensible option to do nothing. Because I think in that high, in that high emotional state, let's say, that that child might be in, they're not going to necessarily listen. They're not going to take anything in. You, you know, you, you're pouring petrol on fire. Yeah. So maybe it's worth point. waiting for the fire to extinguish itself, which it does, you know. Mm. Children, they're, they're fine. You know, they're, they're, their ability to 
get themselves you know what's that what's that toy that comes down and comes back up again um you know oh i know what you're talking about it's got the weight at the bottom yeah. it's really heavy and then like it it yeah i don't know if it's so popular anymore that might be okay. dating ourselves but sorry, i do remember that thing but, yeah but, but <laughs> children's ability to write us write themselves is innate and I, mm. and I and i often wonder whether in that scenario the adult intervention does more harm than good mm. so I'd imagine there's lots of different things and there might be people that are far more intelligent than I am um, who would give you a high fluted answer. But I wonder if our first point of call is to do nothing, say nothing, just just mm. be there. You're okay. So for me, it would be, you're right. Yeah, I'm okay. Do you want, do you want to talk about it? No. Okay, it's fine. Let's leave it. Mm. A bit like... That's good advice. A bit, a bit like, I mean, my, my comparison, my own personal experience this year, my son played county cricket under 11 county cricket first match um third ball bowled out came off you know he was in pieces he would wait can you, you gotta you have to translate that for us non-cricket cricket, players cricket, what would that be that would be a what would you t- t- talk is that like a strikeout yeah. in baseball let's is say, that like a strikeout let's say strikeout first ball okay okay so he's playing for his playing for our area strikeout first ball baseball yeah um came off you know really good it really good it really upset with mm. himself went over so you know do you want me to sit with you no i'm okay okay fine went back went back just just to see if he's mm. okay was it the time then I to like say was it question. the time to say bringing your example was it the time to say where well, you weren't covering your stumps you weren't doing it? no so in that instance my my want was to comfort him because he's my son more so than, you know, I know a little bit about cricket, but so it's there. And, you know, is that adult qualified to be able to say anything? What are they saying? Is it going to help? It's a really interesting question that I've never really pondered it over like that. But I think maybe my advice to parents would be instinctively do nothing. Because if you, if what you're going to do isn't going to help, then it ain't going to help. Yeah. And I think then the second thing would be probably what you said. I, I liked your advice is, would you like to talk about it? And if the answer is no, stepping back, right? And I'm guilty of this because I talk about it sometimes when I see emotional states and maybe they don't want to talk about it. Well, we what we did, I said to him, I said to him, I said, well, if, if, if you do want to talk about it, great. The best person to probably just go and talk to is Kev, who's one of his coaches at the club. Now, okay, I think when he did get back to see Kev that next weekend, he probably forgot about it because there was a million things happened between the time he did it. So what feels right. like a big thing at the time, a poor score, a poor shot, two days later, is it such a big thing? Now, it's probably only such a big thing if maybe the adult has blown it up into a bigger thing than it need be. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm thinking about this. I've got a um, a girl in my programming right now, and she's desperate to pass her current division and shoot 36. And her parents are so supportive. And, um, you know, I know they have some, you know, when the conversation is right, they or time to have the conversation, they have some great conversations with her. And, you know, she hasn't been able to achieve this, this goal. And I've had my conversations with her about it at practices when her, you know, her emotions are, you know, she's happy and in spirits. Uh, her dad even asked her, said, you know, why do you like to play golf? And she said, I just like to be 
I like to be out there with my friends. That's like her number one thing, right? But kind of backing up with what you said about, you know, them even forgetting about things or whatever it may be. She went on for a couple weeks where after each time she didn't shoot her goal of 36, she was quite upset, emotional about the situation, which I think is normal. And then the last few weeks she's come out and she hasn't shot uh, the score of 36. She's improved. But after the rounds, she's, you know, for whatever reason, she's not as upset about the situation anymore. And maybe she has come to realize what it is that she actually enjoys about it. But then on top of that, it's like they, you know, she hasn't given up. I see her out there practicing more. I see her out going and playing with her dad more. And, you know, I think maybe she's come to terms and realized that, you know, it isn't all about the score and maybe going back to what she even said, why she likes golf is to be out there with her friends. And she's kind of taken that now at the forefront and like maybe starting enjoying it. Now, my guess is in the next couple of weeks, months, whatever, she's going to shoot 36 without even knowing it's coming, you yeah. know, and just because like you know, she's reframed her mindset and, um, you know, she's gone through those emotional things. And then again, she's even forgotten probably the fact that she was upset about it in the past. Yeah. And right. I, and I think shooting 36 from one division is different to shooting 36 from a different division. And so, For sure. you know, it's like, well, you can't shoot 36 at that division yet because you don't yet have this. You might not yet have the skills, but I know that yeah. you're on the track. I was just thinking aloud. I was just thinking as you did that, I wonder, is this ever done? This might be a question. Is it ever done that you would take them to a higher division to play a longer golf course and then come back and then it's easier? I've never done it within the programming. Okay. My guess, though, is because I see a lot of the, the, the children out there with their families and a lot of times that they'll play just like from the regulation tees. Yeah. And if they're keeping score, they'll probably have a realization. It's like, well, geez, you know, last week in the nine-hole event, I was upset and I shot 42. Today I went out with mom and dad, played with the regulation tees and shot 65, you know, and then, you know, maybe that's, uh, that happens, but no, it's nothing I've done. I'd be interested. That's a good point. I'd be interested to, I know we digress here and this might not be the point, but I'd be interested to set up the op 36 course and then say, to the, flip it round and then say to the children, right, start on the tees where you know you can score 36. Right. Yeah. And then just have them, have them go for it. You're right. You know, no, that's not the point of it, but I was just, I was just thinking aloud as, as you said that. Right. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's a good point. A hundred percent. I'm sure the guys, will, I'm point. sure the guys will have uh, Matt and Ryan will have some thoughts on that or, or will, yeah. will have done that. Well, it makes me think about, uh, you know, them as well as they just posted, uh, on their Instagram stories. There was a, a child who was at division two from 50 yards and he just passed and he just passed after his 22nd attempt. Okay. And so, you know, going back to parent expectations and also junior golfers' expectations, it's not expected to happen right away. No. And there must have been something else besides just golf itself and score itself that this, this child enjoys about the game. And I'm sure he did have his emotional ups and downs along the way, but he didn't give up. And there's something about golf that kept him there that allowed him to try 22 times. And then he shot 36 after 22 times. And I think that's normal. I mean, I tell people when I tried to break 80, I shot 80 or 81 on the number five times in a row. Right. And I could have just walked away from the sport and said, you know, I'm just never going to shoot in the 70s. But I didn't give up. And I just kept, you know, I kept kept going. And I loved the game that much that it allowed me to keep coming back time and time again. So, you know, every child's experience is different. There's 
it's not all about the score, is it? But, you know, if they can, if we can help them realize what it is about the game itself that they're enjoying and keep that at the forefront and the positive, I think it will um, help them enjoy the game a lot longer. Yeah. And, and, and from the feedback, from the pupil voice forms we've had, children will, children do, and I, and I haven't delved as deep into it as I want to, but children will talk about score, but they'll often just talk about their own score. Very, very mm. rarely do they talk about their score in relation to somebody else's. Mm, and I think mm-hmm. I think when that occurs, I think that often is a it's an adult adult intervention somewhere that's caused that to be a, an opinion or a thought. That yeah, most likely. Yeah, most likely. Um, but, well, I mean, that's the beauty of the Operation Thirty Six program too is they realize quickly it's them versus the course, yeah. right? So you never. I, I rarely actually. I don't even know if I have once heard a comparison on some uh, one child to another, especially if they're in different divisions. They already know it's like completely different, you yeah. know. But yeah, that's a good point you bring up. You yeah. Know? Sorry, as as ever, these conversations always rattle around because it gets me thinking. It's really good. Yeah, well, same here. You know, same thing. Same thing here. You know, and I, I, again, today th- this episode was kind of just do a little bit of a rewind and have us share some of the things that we've been going through as coaches over the last six months. But then also like different things to talk about on how to help whether it's coaches or parents involved in the junior golfers, just based on our own experiences that we've had and things that we've seen, and you know certainly for me too, mistakes that I've made. And, you know, you help just me change the first question I even ask when I see these emotional situations happen. And, um, I I think it's, I I should have talked to you last week. I just did an episode. (laughs) The one episode that just came out this last week was, you know, talking about defeat and refilling up the junior golfers fuel tank. Yeah. So I could have used you, Neil. Always, always. I'm always here. Um, but even just that question of, you know, how you getting on? Yeah. How you getting on? I'm okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Because you, because you know, you know the way people answer that. You know whether they want to talk anymore or not. Hundred percent. It's a great, great question. I, I don't ask that enough. Like for sure. Because I do not ask that enough. Because, because I think often it would be, "Are you having fun? Are you enjoying yourself?" Which again, it's a yes or no answer, and a child will always say yes to an adult because I better mm. say yes because this adult will think less of me if I don't say yes. Um, whereas, hey, getting on, what's that mean? It's just like, just talk to me. I, I want to, I want you, I want, I want you to talk to me. Tell me what's happening. I think that's a great tip for any adult, whether you're a coach or a parent, like anybody. I think it's huge, and um, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna start doing that immediately. <laughs> well, put it into effect. Like I say, I think the certain things that have come out for us because of the fact we see so many children in such a short period of time, and so we've because we see so many children in such a short period of time and what we've learned is we've got to be able to engage and connect with them very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, you got, you'll have more, you will have more time to engage and connect with each individual. Whereas there's little sort of, they're not tips and hints. They're just strategies that we come up with that allows us to, to, for them to know that I really care, mm. you know? So even if it's just a simple thumbs up, thumbs up and I wait for them to give me thumbs up back and then it's a big smile. Just a, just a simple thing like that. For me, what I realise is that that child knows that I care about the experience they're having, and we've then connected to go, yeah, Kesley, great, you're doing good, carry on. I like, yeah, I like that. I, I got a good tip too from, jeez, uh, I apologise, I can't remember which guest it was on the podcast, but advice they had was, is like, if you're the adult, or let's just say even the coach, I think specifically, 
is, and I've started saying, telling this to my Operation 36 players and they go on the golf course and said, hey, if you see me come out on the golf course, I'm out there just to enjoy watching you play the game. I'm not out there talking about your game. I'm not out there talking to your parents about your game or your performance or what you've been doing. I'm out there just to have a good time myself, just to watch you play. And that is it. I'm not looking at your swing. I'm not critiquing anything. And I've actually started saying this to my ladies in the program as well. And now I notice when I go watch them, they're like they're way more relaxed in the past and say, oh, Travis, and you showed up, I started screwing up, you know, because they're probably thinking, oh, geez, well, here comes coach. And, you know, he's watching with a with a close eye. Am I doing what he did in the class last week or whatever? And I mean, I, and I told him this in the classes. I said, when I play with my buddies or if I play with like just get paired up with random people, I don't look at anybody's golf swing. No. Like I'm focused on my own game anyways when I'm out there playing. Yeah. I, I, I'm not looking at anybody's swing. I always say you to know? people that, you know, if you really want the information, you're going to have to pay me for it. So not happening. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but that's been really helpful is, so now when I think when I come out, like I see a lot more smiles on faces and stuff and it's not as much as like, you know, the junior golfer, you can see this because we have video, but the junior golfer hits a shot or a bad shot and then they quickly look at yeah. you like the way they look at the parent yeah. or when I show up then it's like look at coach and I see a lot less of that now you know since I've been telling them that and I think that's another good thing just to advise and say up front because it is true I'm not out there critiquing them like I'm just coming out to see you know how's everybody getting on you know is everybody having a good time are they having fun that's it can I take a couple I want to take a couple pictures like that you know that's what I'm out there for you know yeah. I can't see from 50 yards away are they lined up right are they going through their pre-shot routine and all this stuff like that whatever it might be that they think I might be looking at I'm not at all like you know and I, I it's put them at ease it's been good yeah and that, that takes an honest, honesty from oneself and it loops back to what we what you said earlier when I round providing the opportunity to have the best experience hmm it's all those things for sort sure. of wrapped together, which make it really nice. Really, really nice. Because, you know, the golf bit of it is easy. The golf bit of it of putting the club in a desirable place, moving it around your body in a desirable way, sending the ball off in a di- desirable direction of like, I mean, that's the easy bit, really. You know, there's, God, there's, there's so much said and done about that sort of stuff, but not enough said and done about the, the stuff you can't see. So, totally. so I suppose, you know, maybe our focus as adults who want to try and help children have the best experiences, trying to get our heads around what we can't see and what we can't monitor and what we can't put on a scorecard and what we can't video. Yep. That goes back to our episode, partially on the environment in the community. A lot of those things you can't even see, yeah. like, and it adds so much value to the experience, Yeah. which um, I think you're 100% right. So... Neil, this conversation was supposed to be 30 minutes long. We are <laughs> just about, yeah, we are just about to hit the one hour mark here. Um, you know, before I let you go and, uh, you know, I want to thank you again for coming and joining on the, the podcast and the episode. And, and, you know, I always enjoy the directions that these conversations go. And I think everybody gets a lot of value out of these conversations with you, including myself. Um, where can people find more about you your programming and then your podcast, which is also great. And um, yeah, what would be the best way for people to connect with you? Jolf.golf is our website. So if you punch in jolf.golf and the same with all social media. Um, So I suppose try and post as much as I can about what we're doing and where we're at. Um, The Jolf Man podcast, which you've been a guest on and we've shared thoughts and we'll get you back on. We'll have a cross nice cross podcast for that. chat. 
Um, but often it's just my rambling. Someone rang me up this morning around my, the, the, the podcast and said, why do you do it? And I said, just, I'll just get some of this stuff out of my head. And, and, and as soon as it's out, it's then there to be thought about. It's there to be discussed. Now, if one person listens, if 10 people listen, if a thousand people listen, I'm not too fussed, really. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out for myself. And we're all just trying to figure things out, aren't we? Um, so it's never, never going to be a case of this is the right way, the correct way, the only way. It's like, well, this is, this is a way today, which will maybe be a different way tomorrow um, or a different way in, in the, on the next shot. Um, so, yeah, so if people want to find me and get in touch, uh, they can email me at neil, neil at jolf.golf. Nice. That's perfect. Yeah, Neil, it was awesome. I really appreciate you coming back on. And we're going to have you on again here shortly. We've got uh, another topic or two, and I'm sure that'll lead to three, four, and five different topics to have you back on to the podcast. And, you know, the feedback I always get after you come on and we release the episodes always so positive and, you know, everybody takes so much away from your experience that you've had as a golf coach and a parent. And uh, it's just been so valuable. So really appreciate you joining again, Neil, and look forward to having you back on soon. Thanks so much, bud. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, guys.